بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والحمد لله رب العالمين نحمده ونستغفره ونعوذ به ونعوذ به من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا فإنه حق ما يهدي الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلله فلن تجد له وليا مرشدا اللهم رب العالمين اصلح لنا ديننا الذي هو عصمة أمرنا واصلح لنا دنيانا التي فيها معاشنا أنت الله الواحد القهار أنت حزبنا وكفى ونصلي ونسلم ونبارك على محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه وعلى من اتبعوا بإحسان إلى يوم الدين Our anchor in our existence is revelation that is in principle what defines a believing Muslim a Muslim by definition what a Muslim is is a person who believes that this world, this existence, which its known and unknown planes, its physical and non-physical planes, its material and its non-material planes, have an owner. And that owner is all-knowing, all-seeing, and is purposefully and meaningfully engaged with the existence that the owner owns. So that when you think about this existence, its plain and unknown planes, its seen and unseen, its material and its non-material, when you think about it, you are thinking about a kingdom, a mulk, that ultimately has an owner. You are not commenting about something that has come to existence by accident, by coincidence, or that straddle, something that straddles along without a purpose to eventual destruction. This is a fundamental article of belief, an axiom for what a Muslim is. 
But beyond that, a Muslim also believes that God has spoken. That God has spoken. And again, in every age, in every time, it is critical to go back and think of the first principles. If that all-knowing and immutable and all-powerful owner of the kingdom has spoken, that speech becomes very critical in the existence of a consistent, in a consistent Muslim. If a Muslim wants to be consistent with himself or herself, and the speech of God is what we refer to as revelation. And as we know, revelation has its most direct and indisputable form in the text of the Quran, in the revelation of the Quran taken as a whole, and in any other source that informs us about God's revelation, what God, what that owner intended to reveal to us. So far, so good. So revelation is of a quintessential role for a Muslim that wants to be a consistent Muslim. For a Muslim to say, I am a Muslim, I believe in God, and I believe that that God created existence for a purpose, for an objective, and that God cares about what God created. We are not, we, Muslim belief is not akin to some old pagan beliefs or old Greek beliefs that there are gods that create things and then pretty much forget about them. They're not involved with their creation. For a Muslim, God continues to be not just knowing, but interested, vested, and involved. Being anchored in this principle and being mindful of the fact that God, the owner of this existence, has spoken draws us back time and again to an inquiry, a search, if you want to call it a conscientious journey. The conscientious journey is to 
unpack, understand, comprehend, eternalize, and effectuate God's speech. Again, if God speaks and you are disinterested, you have a problem as a Muslim. If God speaks and you are not engaged, you have a problem as a Muslim. Imagine if you live in a home and you know that this home has an owner and that owner speaks about his or her household, but you are agnostic about the speech of the owner in the owner's home. That is an ethical problem. That what makes, would make you a bad guest, an unethical guest. This is precisely why when Allah refers to those who either don't believe that the household has an owner, so they don't believe in God, or they believe in God like many of the kuffar of Mecca believed in God, but didn't believe that God spoke and instead mediated their desires and their um, prayers and their speech towards God through pagan idols. The pagan idols are simply an instrumentality. That's not what's critical. What's critical is whether, in fact, you pay attention to what that owner of this universe actually says because failure to do so is an ethical problem. It makes you a bad guest in a household that you don't own. If you function in this household as if it doesn't have an owner, so your attitude is that I look for my own comforts. I look for what I like and what I dislike. And I am not mindful of what the owner of the household wants, desires, de demands. Again, you're presented with an ethical problem. This is precisely why kufr and shirk are ethical problems. They're not legal problems. It's not an issue of legal status. That's for the lawyers to figure out, and that's a technicality. But at the level of morality and ethics, ignoring the sovereignty of a sovereign over their space 
and acting in that space as if the sovereign has not claimed sovereignty over a space. So acting according to your own whims or desires or um, whatever motivates you, again, is an ethical issue. Time and again, time and again, Allah tells us that if you understand Iman, it is a transformative engagement. The words of the Quran that revelation, that speech by the divine is transformative at so many levels. And today I want to demonstrate just using a small passage from Surah Al-Ra'd how that sovereign Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives you an entire ontology, an entire philosophy of existence in a truly, what should I say, brilliant, um, amazing way in just a few words. أَفَمَنْ يَعْلَمُ أَنَّمَا أُنزِلَ إِلَيْكَ مِنْ رَبِّكَ الْحَقِّ كَمَنْ هُوَ أَعْمَى First, Allah tells us something that Allah reminds us of repeatedly. Don't be fooled by the physical appearance of things. It is not the claims or vestiges of knowledge that tells you who is knowledgeable and who isn't. But it is the truth of things. And the truth of things is that there are many people who pontificate, who speak, who have attitudes, who philosophize, but fundamentally they are blind. They are blind to the ethical failure in existing in a space where they do not honor or recognize the real sovereign of that space. Then Allah tells us something that is going to be critical and central in the way that we deal with revelation from Allah. Who is mindful towards 
these very simple and basic facts. Ulil al-Bab. Those who have reason. Al-Bab means rationality, aql, reason. Allah flags to us something very critical. I give you reason. Now, that reason, you could use that reason like you could use your psychology, like you could use your impulses, like you could use your intuition, like you can use your feelings. To become unethical, first and foremost, by failing to acknowledge the purposefulness of existence, the purposefulness of your existence, and the purposefulness of the space in which you exist that has a sovereign that controls that existence. You could use your reason that, like that. But that is not why God gave you that amazing, miraculous ability, the ability to think, reason, and decide. Like all other instruments, Allah gave you hands. Your hands can caress an orphan and can murder an innocent person. Allah gave you speech. Your speech can be used to enlighten or can use, be used to deceive and to lie. But Allah gave us reason. And how that reason is used to interact with revelation, to unpack revelation, to allow revelation to occupy its ethical space in existence is the challenge. Inama yatazakkar, yatazakkaru ulil albab, ulil albab. Okay, then Allah gives us further instructions on the ethics of those who employ their reason correctly. Those who have al-bab, al-lub, rationality, and those who employ it correctly. What is it that they do? Now, go on this, this journey with me. الَّذِينَ يُوفُونَ بِعَهْدِ اللَّهِ وَلَا يَنْقُضُونَ الْمِيثَاقِ First, those who honor that covenant that exists the minute you are created with Allah. Again, that is why kufr is an ethical problem. Because the minute you are created, there is a covenant between you and the owner, the sovereign of this existence. And the covenant is simply 
I give you a soul purposefully and intentionally. And I give you an intellect purposefully and intentionally. And what I expect from you is that you employ that intellect and that soul within the terms of the revelation that I, the speech that I gave to the created. Yufuna they honor their covenant with God. And they do not breach a promise, a contract. They do not breach a covenant. Now, reason, correctly employed reason, is what will tell you that I cannot exist in the space of my existence without a purpose. You are not going to find a text that tells you, don't waste your life in depression. Don't waste your life in, in materialism. You will not find a passage in the Quran that will tell you, don't watch too much TV or don't play too many games. But Allah tells you everything by when Allah says, your reason can tell you what is reasonable as to the covenant that I have with you in existence. What can it inform you that if you make a promise to be somewhere, you need to be somewhere? In other words, you have to uphold the promise. It's an albab, a lub, your rationality, and the ethical guidance that Allah gave you that honor your word, honor the mithaq. So, as a Muslim, do I need hadith or do I need a sunnah that says, don't be late if you make an appointment? No, I don't. It is enough that Allah said, honor whatever obligation, because that is an ethical principle. You don't need a law. In other words, you don't need a positive commandment. It is enough that your reason can reflect upon the ethical principle and see what it unfolds. Do I need a hadith that tells you, tell you when you do your job, do it diligently? No, I don't. All, all I need is Allah's reminder, use your reason plus the ethical principle of honor your word. The combination between revelation and reason. Reason, reasonably applied to revelation, leads to an ethical existence. There are Muslims that say, no, 
before I can do any good, I need hadith. Then you haven't understood God's speech. Allah gave you reason for a purpose. Allah expects you to use the intellect. And Allah expects you to apply the intellect to Allah's revelation to unpack what is ethical from what is unethical. First, the ethics of belief. And they do not violate their promises. What comes after that? God is my witness. If Allah hasn't revealed anything but this ayat, it would have been enough. Allah then continues to comment on Ulil Albab, those who use their reason rationally and reasonably, ethically. What other than promises and covenants? So, covenant is principle one. Principle two. وَالَّذِينَ يَصِرُونَ مَا أَمَرَ اللَّهُ بِهِ أَنْ يُوصَلُ They preserve the relationships, the ties, the institutions, the bonds that Allah has commanded or, or wished that they be preserved. Now here, immediately, you read this and you, it, it's, it's as if telling you, in order for this revelation to be meaningful in your existence, you have to use your lub. You have to use your reason. Because if Allah tells you, preserve what Allah wants to be preserved. Don't break bonds that Allah doesn't want to be broken. The, the clear implication here is that a rational engagement of your intellect will yield an ethical, moral exploration as to what needs to be preserved and honored. So, يَصِلُونَ مَا أَمَرَ اللَّهُ بِهِ أَنْ يُوصَلُ Does this mean I honor the bonds of family? That's reasonable deduction from this revelation does it mean that I don't block the street and prevent people from traveling freely 
That would be a reasonable deduction from this revelation. Does this mean I don't go create porn sites that harms young people? That would be a reasonable deduction from this revelation. Does this mean I am kind and good and loyal to my friends? That would be a reasonable deduction from this revelation. Does this mean I am a good citizen, I perform my civic duties? That would be a reasonable deduction from this revelation. Does this mean I can steal credit card numbers and charge to them whatever? That would not be a reasonable deduction from this revelation. In other words, Allah tells you, reflect upon the type of connections, bonds, relationships that invoke a moral obligation upon you as a human being to live morally. وَيَخْشُونَ رَبَّهُمْ وَيَخَافُونَ سُوءَ الْحِسَابِ سوء الحساب. And be mindful in this, that whatever you do, remember there will be accountability. Whatever you do, whatever rational deductions you make, whatever ethical, whatever ethical conclusions you derive, whatever choices you make not to reflect on the ethical implications, whatever bonds you decide to sever rather than preserve, whatever relationships you decide to betray rather than honor, whatever choices you make within a social and a moral context, you will have to answer to you. There is accountability. Yes, I gave you your intellect, and I told you that believing in Allah is an ethical obligation. And I told you that the key to this ethical obligation is a covenant and honoring the relationships, the relationship of an owner, the, the, the ultimate sovereign, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to Allah's mulk. But I also gave you the intellect so that you can reflect, so do I need a hadith that tells me, for instance, you do not, you cannot cheat on your wife? Only someone who doesn't use their, their rational intellect would need a hadith that tells them don't cheat on your wife. Why? Because it is enough that Allah says use your intellect, understand that you have to honor your covenants and honor your promises and preserve the bonds that are moral in Allah's sight and that there will be accountability. And you need, that is sufficient, that you need nothing beyond that.
We live in an age in which there are ethical and moral challenges all the time. And Muslims of every ilk and kind act like mechanics or empiricists. Before I can know I have an ethical or moral obligation, I want a specific hadith or, or revelation. Then you don't understand your, the relationship between you and Allah. Allah gave you the intellect first and foremost to understand that you exist for a reason. That there is a divine will behind your existence. It's not an accident. It's not an oversight. It's not happenstance. And that you exist in this existence, but you do not own it. And it's not yours. And you are not free to do with it and in it whatever you want. So can I tear down a tree without just cause? No, I can't. Why? Because of this. All I need is this. Can I kill animals without just cause? No, I can't. Is it part of what It exists. It has an, it has a, an, it, it has a, a, an instinct, a system of life. So it is part of Allah. Can I destroy the environment? Again, you do not need an instruction sheet. What you need is to understand the first principles. First, the ethic of belief, but second, the imperative of a moral life. And no text will teach you morality, like no text will teach you good manners. You can have the Quran memorized inside and out and have all the hadith memorized, but still fail to make your appointments on time. Why? because your ethical engine has not been activated. You could have the Quran memorized and you could have all the hadith memorized, but mistreat your wife or mistreat your husband. Why? Because your ethical engine has not been activated. You could have all of these instructions memorized, but on the first opportunity to betray your wife, and take a second spouse or divorce your wife that has been committed to you for 20, 30 years, and then you meet someone younger and prettier, and, and you dump your wife and say, well, Allah gave me the right. No, but Allah gave you an ethical intellect. An ethical intellect. And if you do not want it to be done to you, then you shouldn't do it to others. If you do not want it done to you, then you should not do it to others. 
If you don't want it done to you, then you should not do it to others. Then that is a very, very good indication that you are breaking you are breaking what Allah has created as a bond. Our salvation as Muslims is not pedantic resort to textual instructions. It is the activation of the intellect and particularly the part of the intellect that is interlinked with a conscientious existence. And when we activate that conscientious existence, we become not just good Muslims, but we become moral human beings. Moral, upright human beings. And that is the heart of Islam. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على محمد خاتم النبيين النبي الأمين وعلى آله وأصحابه وطبعوا بإحسان إلى يوم الدين سورة الرعد in ayah 22 goes on to further elucidate and enlighten us about those who live a conscientious rational existence ويدرؤون بالحسنة السيئة أولئك لهم عقب الدار It goes on to remind us that in order to live immoral, conscientious, rational, reasonable existence you need perseverance and patience sabr if you don't understand the importance of perseverance, you will fail. If you want immediate satisfaction and gratification, you will fail. If you do not understand the value of self-denial for the sake of a higher principle, you will fail. And that is what sabr when you are patient for the sake of God. You say, I know that I am denying myself, but I'm denying myself because of the sovereign of this kingdom, the sovereign of this existence. And time and again, 
Allah reminds us, if you want to succeed in your sabr and in your perseverance, prayer is your key. Those who persevere in prayer will have a far greater chance of persevering in patience and in upholding the bonds that your Lord wants to be upheld. Ethical bonds, the moral bonds. And time and again, Allah reminds us that all of this is premised on having a the correct perspective towards material things. Because if you are strict materialists who deals with property and ownership from a purely self-involved perspective and and from the point of view of indulgence, Allah warns us time and again that your ethical journey is going to be a failure unless you spend you give from what is dear to you, not what is excess to you, but what is dear to you. In other words, you are used to sacrifice and denial. Then don't expect your journey to be an easy one. It is as if Allah draws to us a complete moral, ethical picture, but it needs irrational human being, a human being that takes their existence seriously and takes their relationship with Allah seriously. We are surrounded these days with things that border on the comical if they were not so tragic. The president of France through the, uh, was visiting Saint um, Anne's church in Jerusalem. And France, for whatever reason, decides that the church, the Saint Anne Church, which they, by the way, uh, 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 they they acquired during the Crusades in the 12th century, they occupied, they stole during the, 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 the Crusades, and then they lost to Muslims, and then in 1856, they took from the Ottoman Empire, they basically extorted it from the Ottoman Empire because the Ottoman Empire was under threat by the Russians. Anyway, France declared St. Anne Church in East Jerusalem to be French territory and declared sovereignty over that church. 
And although France is supposed to be a secular country that doesn't have a Christian identity, but France insists that it has sovereignty over that church in Jerusalem. And the significance of the church is that supposedly in the basement, Mary was supposed to have been born in the basement. And anyway, so President Sarkozy goes to, to Jerusalem and, and because it is supposed to be French territory under French sovereignty, when Israeli officers go into the church, Sarkozy throws them out and says, this is French territory. You have no, you know, all the Israeli officers, get out, get out. Okay, anyway. But France, which is supposed to be a secular country, and while the French president is in Israel in order to honor the memory of the victims of the Holocaust, he has a conniption because some Israeli soldiers went into a church that is supposed to be under French sovereignty. Meanwhile, the, the Aqsa Mosque is violated every single week, if not every single day. We stopped as Muslims even following the news. The same weekend that this happened with the Sarkozy in St. Anne's Church, the Aqsa Mosque was being violated by right-wing Israeli settlers and the Israeli army for the millionth time. The same time that Saudi Arabia sent a representative from the Muslim World League to attend the memorial over Auschwitz and the Holocaust, Saudi Arabia didn't say one word about the consistent and systematic violations against the Aqsa Mosque. We live in a world in which even the most basic ethical actions and behavior have become suspect. At the same time that a scholar like Salman al-Oda is in prison, God knows to when, and at the same time that no Muslim can say a single word against the rulers of Saudi Arabia or even the parties thrown by the Saudi government all the rock parties and all the singing and dancing. The Likud party in Israel has an official representative, Muhammad Saud, in Saudi Arabia. And that Likud party representative in Saudi Arabia can sit there and say the most outrageous things about how Israel honors human beings and how Israel is so beautiful and wonderful, and Saudi Arabia doesn't dare touch him. They'll throw Salman Oda in prison and throw any Islamist in prison, but someone who says, I represent the Likud party in Saudi Arabia is untouchable. The same time that you have American Muslim leaders sit there and talk about how the Emirat 
is the government of tolerance, the, Gamara, the Emirat systematically, every single day, murders Yemenis and Libyans in cold blood. And no one says a word. We are surrounded by insanity. And the worst thing about insanity is that it challenges your ability to persevere and to believe in rationality. And if you suspend your willpower to persevere and no longer wish to use your rationality, it is only a matter of time before you become skeptical about ethics themselves, about morality, about the possibility of beauty and goodness. And in that is the true failure. It is not whether you followed this hadith or violated that hadith or you wore this dress or you wore that scarf or you followed this sunnah or violated that sunnah. It is the process that I identify that is of essence. There are people funded by the Emirat and Saudiya that want an Islam in the West that has one single principle, and that is despotism is not to be ethically condemned. But what is despotism? In other words, that a Muslim should just embrace despots and not judge them and do their prayers and so on and so on. But what is despotism if it is not the suspension of your rational, rational, ethical inquiry and ability to reflect. What a despot says is obey, don't think. That is why that type of Islam is the destruction of Islam. Anyone that tells you obey, don't think, immediately know that they are leading you to a path that will inevitably lead to darkness, dullness, and ignorance. May Allah guide us to a better path, inshallah. Allahumma afu anna wa lana اللهم اهدنا لأقرب من هذا رشد يا علي عظيم وانصر الإسلام وعز المسلمين الله forgive our sins guide us to the true path the straight path grant us perseverance and patience and rational perception and ethical principles in our existence الله you are the most forgiving and the most merciful وأقم الصلاة صلى الله عليه وسلم بارك على محمد وعلى اله واصحابه وتمام الى يوم الدين امين